This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. The Bigger Picture on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. You're listening to The Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture. I'm Dashran Johan and with me in the studio today is Julia Jacobs and Hezreel Ashraf. So it looks like when it comes to press freedom in Malaysia, we're not really in a great place right now, especially when compared to many other countries. So this is according to Reporters Without Borders. Um, their latest report, uh, their annual press freedom ranking in which right now this year we are ranked 119 out of 180 countries surveyed. But why is press freedom actually important and what does this ranking say about our country? So we'll be speaking to Wachala Naidu of the Centre for Independent Journalism to find out. Yes, so we actually dropped 18 places in this um, ranking, right? So we're mm-hmm. actually wondering whether you're concerned about issues such as press freedom in general. So we have a Twitter poll running where we're asking you that. To, uh, take that poll, just tell us yes or no. You can tweet us at BFM Radio or you can send us a WhatsApp message at 018-789-8899. Yeah, so as you both mentioned, uh, Malaysia recently plunged 18 spots in Reporters Without Borders annual press freedom ranking for 2021. And they're also, they're more commonly known as... Uh, you know, by their French acronym RSF. So Malaysia placed 119th out of 180 countries surveyed by their organization. And in their analysis, RSF justified this this 18 uh, place, you know, fall as being directly linked to the Brigata National Government, which was formed uh, last year in March after the infamous Lanka Sheraton. So RSF said, and I'm quoting him, quoting them here, the astonishing 18 place fall, the biggest of any country in the index, is directly linked to the formation of a new coalition government in March 2020. That's right. Now, RSF also went on to say, I'm quoting, for the media, the restoration of more authoritarian rule in 2020 has led to prosecutions, police searches, expulsions of journalists and whistleblowers, and flagrant violations of the confidentiality uh, confidentiality of journalists' sources, right? So to protect them uh, and continue quoting here, to protect themselves against uh, government's offence, many journalists have had to censor themselves. Yes, and here are some of the issues that RSF cited as reasons for the poor ranking. So, raiding and investigating Al Jazeera's Kuala Lumpur office for its documentary on the alleged mistreatment of migrants. Um, and of course, the key source in the documentary, the Bangladeshi national Muhammad Raihan, was deported. Um, also, they cited the revival of the Special Affairs Department, or JASA, which RSF described as a government propaganda tool, and exist- existing laws that stifle press freedom, so such as the Sedition Act 1948, Official Secrets Act 1972, and Communications and Multimedia Act 1998. Right, so, so to put things into perspective, right, Malaysia's best ranking uh, was actually uh, in 2020 last year where it was a 101 out of 180 countries while the worst ranking was in 2014 and 2015 when it was uh, ranked 147 and RSF said that Malaysia's press freedom situation improved dramatically after the 2018 elections when the then opposition Pakatan Harapan uh, toppled the incumbent Barisan National so you know while this may be true Pakatan Harapan you know didn't clamp down um, on journalists and was very vocal about how they were, you know, how they're open to criticisms from the media and the rakyat. And I think it's important to point out the the coalition had a chance to enact uh, some proper reforms, right? They abolished the Sedition Act or the Official Secrets Act, um, you know, but but they did not. 
Yeah. And if you're wondering how Malaysia performed in comparison to other countries, well, I guess it really depends on how you look at it. Because despite uh, the lessening in media freedom over the past year, Malaysia is still ranked higher than the likes of Philippines, which is uh, ranked 138, Myanmar 140, and Singapore, which was ranked 160 out of the 180 countries surveyed. In fact, the only country in the, the Southeast Asia region with a higher ranking than Malaysia is Indonesia, uh, which uh, was ranked 113th. However, when we compare ourselves to more progressive Asian countries, we're still lagging far behind. Behind, right? um, Hong Kong is ranked 80th, Japan 67, Taiwan 43, and South Korea tops the Asian ranking uh, with 42. And topping the overall list are countries like Norway, Sweden, and New Zealand. Yeah, I guess the question is, you know, what do these rankings actually mean? Is it important? And mm. if so, what can, uh, you know, can we, what can we do about it? So joining us on the line now to share her insights is Washla Naidu. She's the Executive Director for the Centre for Independent Journalism. Welcome to the show, Washla. Nice, uh, thank you for joining us. So just to kick things off, what are your overall thoughts on RSF's press freedom ranking this year? I mean, were you surprised that Malaysia dropped 18 spots? Um, actually, it's not really a surprise. I think it is to be expected given the circumstances and the development we've seen in Malaysia um, around media freedom just in the last year. If we look at the context in Malaysia, uh, globally, of course, uh, you know, almost every, every country is like really um, dealing with the COVID-19 crisis. And that had also contributed to the increase and in, in a varying decline in media freedom. Then you put it in, located in the context of Malaysia, which is also facing political, um, a slight, you know, political turmoil because we had a, an unexpected, unprecedented change in government. And that had then um, led to a landscape where you had a government needing and wanting to retain power. Hence, the, there's so much of pressure, um, and these are mainly institutional pressure that's really facing the larger media landscape. Mm. Um, and in a situation where government is politically not very stable and not having the political will to improve media freedom and the different incidences which had occurred last year, uh, we were expecting this, actually. Mm. So, Wachla, uh, RSF cited a few reasons um, for the drop in rankings, among them the Al Jazeera investigation and the revival of JASA. What are your thoughts on this? Um, it's it's a start. Yeah? The, the rationale and justification is a start if we are looking at a pattern uh, and how RSF actually uh, rates um, the different countries, right? They don't go into ratings and looking at ownership and so on, but they look really in terms of the the image, the the crackdowns, the media experience. You know, if you look at some of the countries which had like really rated really badly, there were journalists being, uh, you know, executed, for example, the journalists who disappeared. But if we then bring it back to Malaysia, what we have seen uh, is basically restriction of access that uh, media has experienced mainly last year. And of course, initially it was as a result of COVID because once we went into lockdown, 
We saw instances where media did not necessarily have access to all the press conferences, or in certain instances, it was just certain official media like Badnama or RTM who had access uh, to these press conferences. You, we also had um, experiences where um, you know, media was denied full access to parliament um, sittings, especially in July. Again, uh, limited access was given to official media. And in another situation, the December sitting, 15 media was given um, access. All that's one uh, area where which had contributed to a decline. Mm. Yeah. And the second thing is we are also a country that continues to use repressive laws. Uh, we continue to uh, target and there's um, crackdown against media that we saw last year. So Al Jazeera is, is uh, referred to by RSF. And then, of course, that's because it became so public and became so global, right? Malaysia Kini became a global issue as well. But in addition to that, we also had other crackdowns against individual journalists. We had correspondence from uh, Channel News Asia being targeted. We had correspondence from uh, South China Morning Post. And, you know, we had other individuals uh, within the Malaysian landscape being targeted. So when these crackdowns happen, it creates a pattern of silencing the media. So that we definitely um, had contributed to this drop in ranking. Now, Wachala, RSF highlighted that the press had so much more freedom during the Pakatan Harapan era. Would you agree with this? And also, do you think the PH government could have done more, done, you know, essentially what they promised to, which is to abolish draconian laws such as the Sedition Act, which was ultimately what was used by the PN government to investigate, for example, journalists from Al Jazeera? Yeah, first off, it was a lost opportunity. Yeah, because when Pakatan Harapan um, came into power in 2018, they had the best opportunity to uh, implement what they had promised in their manifesto. Yeah, one thing we saw was uh, perhaps more of an opening of space for media to function more independently. They had better access to the ministers, the ministry, and you know they, they had more spokespersons as well that they could approach and interview. So that opening of space was very crucial. But at the same time, as what you pointed out rightly, uh, they have failed to act on you know the commitment they made either to amend specific laws, particularly Section 233 of the Communications and Multimedia Act. They had failed to repeal commitments they made in, in relation to Sedition Act, OSA, the Printing Presses and Publications Act. They had also failed to push forward the establishment of uh, a Malaysian Media Council. They had, set, they had, I mean, I don't want to deny the fact that they, they had put in some measures to work towards that. Uh, but as I said, it's, it's a lost opportunity because they just didn't see it through and they were not given the opportunity to see it through. Uh, but I also want to raise the fact that the Pakatan Harapan government was not necessarily also entirely open because the Dation Act was still being used against, uh, still being used by the Pakatan Harapan government. You know, right. Section 233 of the Communications Multimedia Act was also still being used by Pakatan uh, Harapan government. So, yes, they had opened up more space and we saw us, um, saw Malaysia rise in ranking when they, when RSF revealed its ratings last year. 
But uh, at the same time, we still feel that PH government could have done more. Well, on that note, we do need to go for a very quick break. We are speaking with Wachala Naidu, Executive Director of the Centre for Independent Journalism. And we are talking about the Reporters Without Borders Annual Press Freedom Ranking, in which um, in 2021, Malaysia ranked 119 out of 180 countries surveyed. So things are not looking so good there. Um, if you have any thoughts, you can tweet us at BFM Radio. Alternatively, you can also WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. There's also a poll running on our Twitter page at BFM Radio. You can check that out. Um, We'll be back with more on the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture. I'm Dashran Johan and with me in the studio is Julia Jacobs and Hezreel Ashraf. And on the line with us today is Wachala Naidu, the Executive Director of the Centre for Independent Journalism. And the reason Wachala joins us today is because we are talking about press freedom. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, uh, so uh, Reporters Without Borders, um, RSF released it uh, yesterday, right? And Malaysia, perhaps unsurprisingly, dropped 18 spots from last year, ranking 119 out of uh, 180 countries. And uh, right before the break, we, dis- we discussed, you know, the ranking is uh, justified and uh, compared, uh, you know, especially compared uh, with the PN government and the previous Pakatan Harapan government. Yeah, and before we, you know, carry on talking to Watchla, we just want to ask you what whether, you know, issues such as press freedom uh, bother you at all? You know, we have a Twitter poll running. Uh, take that poll. Just answer us yes or no. You can tweet us at BFM Radio or you can send us a WhatsApp message about any thoughts you have about press freedom at 018 uh, Sorry, what? I've forgotten our number. Yeah. <laughs> 018 There you go, guys. <laughs> Blanking out. Carry on, has yeah. <laughs> now, now we can uh, now. What, uh, what, what uh, thanks for staying on the line with us. Let Let's zoom out a little uh, and look at f- press freedom. Right? Why exactly is press freedom important? Yeah, you know it's it's such an important question to the the fact that we keep asking this question and keep providing the response. But in a way, is it registering right? Because the role of press has always, the role of media has been so fundamental, right? It is kind of like the key ingredient as a fourth estate, you know, towards ensuring democracy. The media is the one that is, you know, providing public the necessary checks and balances towards our elected representatives, yeah, our government, yeah. And this is where you know, when media is able to function in a more open and enabling environment, they are able to produce uh, news, channel information in a timely and balanced manner. And that is what we as public need because we need the information. We need access to these information to be able to, you know, make informed decisions, to be able to hold our government accountable and to be able to push for good governance and rule of law. And, and all this is necessary because one other um, issue and area of concern within Malaysia is our rating with regards to corruption. So what, and we need media to play this role and media can only play this role if they have more independence and freedom to fight against corruption. Right. What we see though in, in terms of the current trend or pattern and the message that we you know we we are we seem to be getting from the government is is basically you fall in line or you face the consequences because if you challenge if you dissent 
uh, if you know if media really pushes the boundaries in coming up with this opinion piece, this article, you then uh, you know have uh, the possibilities of you know being investigated, being charged. It's 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 a form of intimidation, a form of harassment. Right. Now, now what shall I, you brought up things like fourth estate and checks and balances. But is that how ASEAN countries actually see the media? Because interestingly enough, Malaysia managed to rank higher than most Southeast Asian countries, including the Philippines, Thailand, Myanmar, and the economically robust Singapore, right? So could it be argued that the lack of press freedom is more of a cultural thing than any necessary, you know, isn't necessarily something, a wrong way of doing things, rather just a different way of running the country? Perhaps you can look at it in two ways, right? If we are looking at it in terms of ranking, yeah? Now, RSF uses a kind of a threshold or they call it their barometer, right? Which focuses on incidences where, say, how many citizen journalists are killed, how many journalists are killed, you know, uh, how many media entities or officers are raided. So they they go on, on those kind of pressures. So if we are to see uh, the instances or the situation in countries like Philippines, Thailand and Myanmar, uh, obviously the crackdown against media is way more intense and 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 the impact is more because you as you say we see journalists killed right so the, the there is that that framework and the threshold of how the rating happens now if we are to look at what you said as example of singapore right so press freedom needs to be looked at in perhaps i would say in three different areas right now, the first and foremost would be how our laws um, protect the right of medias and promotes media freedom. Yeah, this is where we face a lot of challenges because our laws generally restricts media freedom, so limits media's access, right? Now, the second thing we, we look at is perhaps the, the, the structures and the mechanisms that are meant to promote, yeah? So if you have laws which are already restricted, but at the same time, you have the powers being given to certain ministry, for example, Ministry of Home Affairs, having the powers uh, under the Printing Process and Publications Act to suspend or refuse licenses. And then you have uh, other entities such as MCNC being you know, given the powers under the Communications and Multimedia Act. And then you have the third thing, which is indeed the cultural thing, right? And cultural things, uh, cultural element perhaps come hand in hand with the political will. So if the, the current regime or the current administration or the current government, is in, it, its main intention is to remain in power, it would not just curb media freedom. It is also curbing or undermining other rights or freedom of expression is being uh, curbed, you know, being limited or freedom of speech is being curbed and limited. So, and then you fit in that whole cultural thing because you're right in the sense that we work within a mindset that, you know, media uh, and different people within the industry work hand in hand to promote a, a more unique uh, you, to promote more unity, promote better harmony. Uh, but yes, but that does not take away the, the core functions of the media. 
Yeah. So we, we need to always understand, yes, there is a, a, a perception, a particular mindset on how we need to work together, how we need to ensure that, you know, there are limitations around national security, uh, public order and all in place. But at the same time, and this is why I also say press freedom as a topic needs to be discussed more mm -hmm. because we need to understand the role of media. And do you think the general public in our country and region really care about something like freedom of the press? You know, for example, the curbing of press freedom in Malaysia arguably started uh, happening during Mahathir's first run as prime minister. And this was decades ago, but it didn't really seem to put a dent on his popularity at all. Um, you, you're so right. right? It's nothing new for us. And, you know, uh, Mahathir, together with his counterparts in Indonesia and Singapore, uh, you know, came, you know, during that, that particular era, they're, they're, they monopolized the rhetoric and the narrative about what is human rights. Yeah. And they tried to repackage human rights within the so-called, you know, Asian framework or ASEAN values. And in as much as we want to talk about media freedom, yeah, we need to take it down to how it really impacts people. What the general public fail to see is if we don't have the media freedom, yeah, our freedom gets affected as well. So, for example, if uh, you know somebody in a very small town in in Pahang, for example, at the moment, you know, relies on media but we also need to think that media the 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 phase of media has evolved and changed as well it's no longer just the traditional mediums right mm -hmm. so if this this person uh who has a small uh you know stall in a small town in pahang relies on news either through you know radio tv or you know different social media or even whatsapp now, if the information being channeled by the media is already compromised, it's not neutral, it only speaks one language or one tone or one messaging, then the person on the ground is not going to have the necessary information, um, say, if it's to do with vaccination. Who, the information needs to channel, be channeled through the media. What is the government's role? Out? What are the phases? How do we register? How do we ensure that, you know, we, we know when we get the appointment? How do we know what is the importance of vaccination? Yes, the government is supposed to be sending out this message, but this is where media plays the biggest role because we are also, a, the media is able to reach out to the masses. So if the masses now, uh, you know, um, if they are not getting the information on the ground, uh, they might not think that it's to do with the fact that we don't have press freedom, right? But that they are experiencing the lived reality about what happens when there is no media freedom or there's no press freedom. The, the disjunct here is perhaps we are not having as much conversation with people on the ground on what it means to them in getting information on a, in, a, in a really timely uh, manner, reliable information, what kind of information that they can trust given the infodemic that we're experiencing? How do they know what is fake news, uh, you know, disinformation? So it, it, a lot of these things uh, are interrelated. Yes, you know, who are we reaching and how can we actually get the message across so that, that, 
that person who owns the stall in Pahang can say, I'm not getting the information. There's something wrong why the media is not channeling this information. And why is it the media is not channeling this information? And they can themselves then understand the need to promote uh, media freedom. Have there been any important issues over the past 10 years or so that, you know, were incredibly difficult for journalists to highlight because of a lack of press freedom? Uh, there are actually constantly many issues, right? Because we need to also combine this with the fact that we don't have a specific proactive law um, on right to information that would uh, give people access to information yeah, as a right. So, and of course, we also have Official Secrets Act, which, you know, allows for documents to just be stamped uh, confidential. Hence, we won't have access to it. So it, this is the, the culture of secrecy that we are always under. What we hear, though, are big cases where instances such as like the 1MDB report where we didn't have access to the report or access to the information and journalists did not have a safe and enabling environment to even conduct um, investigation. But beyond that, there's so many other cases or instances, for example, the land reclamation projects in Penang where, you know, media, especially journalists, are still having difficulties in terms of accessing information. Highway projects, KIDADS, for example, land appropriation projects that we keep here, you know, that it's always coming up. You know, the, of course, we've heard about the Gua Musang uh, incidences and the challenges that journalists face in obtaining information about, uh, you know, from basic information about land borders and then land delineation, uh, even access to environmental impact assessment. And then we have uh, issues like, you know, Sabah and Sarawak concerns related to MA63. So these are certain examples. But what it really demonstrates is this, this culture where it's already, to begin with, by default, difficult to get access to information. And this right to information is not necessarily protected through a, a, a legislation. And then combined with our practices of, you know, how if uh, the by default, again, most information or documents are considered classified under OSA. And then the difficulties in even getting access to, uh, you know, politicians or, you know, ministers to be able to interview them. So this all contributes to these major cases. But I want to say that it's, it's the major cases that comes up because the journalists, the reporters are able to get some information to be able to highlight it. But a lot of cases, a lot of issues are not even reported because we just don't have the information. Hmm. All right. So it looks like things are not looking so good in terms of press freedom in Malaysia. So I guess the question is, what can we do about it moving forward? Okay. So we need to look at it at perhaps at um, roles of three different stakeholders, right? First of all, of course, it is the role of the government. They need to, and, and this, you know, as what you said, sometimes it doesn't matter who is in power, but the government of the day needs to commit to, and not just commit, but also to have the political will to move towards ensuring that these repressive laws or 
amended or repealed. Create a culture that would promote uh, media freedom, work with the people on the ground to understand the importance of media freedom, uh, then also to stop the crackdown. Yeah. And one other thing that the, the, the government the state in this instance could do is to move towards establishing a, a Malaysian media council that would work as um, an independent self-regulatory body that would set the standard for the media and also at the same time hold media accountable to those um, standards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, the second second um, state group here, I would say, is that the role would be the media themselves. Yeah, because the the media, the, the changing nature of media uh, is so dynamic and it's so fluid, especially the, uh, you know, given the, the the reliance on digital spaces at this moment requires the media to rethink its own uh, business sustainability model. Because if we uh, we continue to also face issues around monopoly of media through the big giant media groups, yeah. Mm-hmm. So ownership to be discussed. So media needs to also work, you know, to of uh, towards creating its own environment that is sustainable yeah and that would require a lot of rethinking of its current business models too because it needs to be financially sustainable and the way we are seeing the you know a number of media um, outlets um, shutting down or you know in the process of even um, you know firing its staff or making them redundant now is not creating a very healthy picture and that would have an impact on media freedom now the third ro- a third role a third stakeholder here uh, I would say all of us yeah the public the academicians the civil society organization and how we may be able to engage with the state we may be able to engage with those in the, within the media industry uh, to promote better law policy reform but also work towards creating better media literacy and uh, and as we talk about media literacy it would lead to a stronger constituent of people who would then also be demanding for media freedom. So there, it's not like a one shoe fits all. There are multiple things that needs to change. And one of the biggest challenge is going to be changing our own mindset about promoting human rights and in this context, promoting media freedom and then battling with the current political scenario and um, and not forgetting COVID, yeah, because it's not going to end overnight. We are looking at a long-term need to be able to go beyond mitigation. Now it's really about how do we manage and promote media freedom in the context of COVID too. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for speaking with us today, Washla. That was Washla Naidu, the Executive Director of the Centre for Independent Journalism. And we were chatting about Malaysia dropping 18 spots in RSF's annual press freedom ranking and basically why that's an important thing. Mm -hmm. And we asked you over on Twitter, we had a Twitter poll running, we asked you whether things such as press freedom concerns you in general. And so far, uh, overwhelmingly, 91% of you have said yes, while another 8% of you have said no. Interested to hear, you know, what the 9% have 
have to say. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you have any thoughts, you can just continue to share that with us. You can tweet us at BFM Radio or you can send us a WhatsApp message at 018-789-8899. I remember the number now. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Okay. Um, yes. And, you know, just like Wachala said, you know, it's it's important. So I'm glad 91% of them said yes, because as Wachala mentioned earlier, like something like 1MDB, yeah. um, we would have found out much earlier about it if we had press freedom in Malaysia, right? More press freedom, that is. Well, that's all the time we have for today's show. You can look us up on the... Uh, you can look us up on Facebook. We are BFM The Bigger Picture. You can drop us a message there. If you missed any part of the show today, you can download the podcast. You can find us on bfm.my forward slash daily digest. And also uh, the BFM app, do download that. Coming up at 3 p.m. on Live and Learn, we will be featuring an interview has did at Parliament yesterday. How was your trip to Parliament, Has Who did you speak to? Yeah, well, well, Parliament was quiet yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, so that, that was sort of nice uh, to, to see it. And uh, it was my first time there. Uh, but I spoke with our, our first woman deputy speaker, Dr. Sri Azalina Uthman Said. She's also the Pengarang MP. So uh, we had a little, uh, I caught up with her yesterday to talk about you know her time uh, as a deputy speaker so far. How she balances that between, uh, you know, with her role as an MP um, and and her thoughts on the the current state of politics uh, in in her country and and her hopes moving forward. That's very very intriguing. Uh, so do check that out yep. after the three PM news. I'm Dashan Johan alongside Julia Jacobs and Hezreel Ashraf, and you've been listening to the Daily Digest on the Bigger Picture BFM eighty nine point nine. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.